What's hey. up? Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm TC. I'm Alex. I'm James. And you guys, we've had to do a little pivot this week, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We had to do a little pivot. We were going to be doing political conspiracies with uh, with one of our dear friends and our patrons, Caitlin, but she has lost her voice. So we are going to have to record that episode for next week once her voice comes back. And so this week we drew from the vase and Mick, you lucky, lucky son of a gun. We are doing real life miracles this week. I believe in miracles. So... <laughs> This pivot has thrown us off so bad that we're having tif- technical difficulties with James today. Yeah, yeah. Never yeah, have yeah. technical di- difficulties, and now we're running into them. It's not yeah. a miracle when it comes to James's sound. <laughs> <laughs> but we all went our separate ways. We did our research, and we've come back together. And we're gonna. We're, I'm. I'm not. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited to talk about some miracles. I'm ready to talk about. Me too. It. It's a bit more light and fluffy than most of our other topics. Just yeah. slightly. Which reminds me, guys, for the icebreaker, do you prefer Miracle Whip or mayonnaise? Ew. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither. Oh, we're both heathens. Uh, um, James, how you been? Been all right. How about you guys? My lord, have we been busy. I feel like... <clears throat> That's every week, though. I feel like that's for everybody. So, listener, I know that you're listening right now. You're just as busy as we are. I can feel it. And I want to say I'm sorry, and the weekend is coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going to go to Tybee Island. Yeah, we're going to go to the beach for a couple days. Oh, nice. So, yeah, and then, James, you're going to the beach in a little while, right? In April for the I'm going Podfest? To, uh, I'm going to Vegas, but I'm also going to Podfest in the uh, May. And incidentally, anybody out there who's listening who like has thought about starting a podcast or has a podcast, um, PodFest tickets are still on sale. And if you uh, buy one and use the promo code 13th floor, you'll get 20% off. So yeah, 13THFLOOR. 13th floor. And James, is PodFest this year, is it all virtual or can you go to Florida or? Uh, you, I am going to Florida. So yeah, it's uh, it's a hybrid event and a lot of people are going in person just like me. Lots cool. of fun. Yeah. Well, that's James's little plug for uh, his, his upcoming trip to PodFest, which he's very yep. excited about and we're very excited about. We unfortunately will not be able to attend because by then we should have a little baby in the house. No. So anyways, um, you guys, do we have an icebreaker? Uh, I already told you. Alex, you're not <laughs> talking about mayonnaise. I was, uh, well, I was thinking, you know, since we are talking about miracles, um, has there ever been an instance in your life where you just thought, oh my God, wow, how lucky was that? I just... Uh, I either really dodged a bullet or something just insanely fortunate happened. Um, I can't say I've had uh, something like that happen to me. I, I saved someone's life once. You saved someone? Mm. What? Yeah, Cece's looking at me like she didn't know this. No, I don't know this. Yeah. I was at Six Flags in Louisville with um, a good friend, Chad. <laughs> uh, this is a long time ago. Uh, we're probably in, we were definitely in high school. And he's running in between, so there, there's just backed up traffic, and then there's a couple open lanes. Well, we're walking through the backed up traffic, and he starts to step out into the open lane. He's running, and he runs, and he, he I grab his 
shirt collar. I didn't see a car or anything. I grabbed a shirt collar and pulled them back, and a car flew by. Ooh. And it was like they're like hitting their brakes, but they it was like what, they were flying still, trying to dodge him. Oh. Yeah, he would have been dead. He would have been, <laughs> been in bad shape. Yeah, but I didn't even see anything. I just saw the open road and he was getting ready to run into it. You just knew it was kind of like something was pu- making That's right. you grab him That's and right. pull him back. So I grabbed the back of his shirt and yanked him back. Trippy. What did he say afterwards? Was he just like, whoa, man? Yeah, and I think my, uh, I think my parents were in the car across the way and they saw it all happen. And <laughs> they grabbed their pants. Yeah, I, I could see them doing that. At least my mom was. I'm pretty sure my mom was in the car. She saw it happen. Ugh. I, you know... James, I, I don't feel like I have anything that's like uh, something that I, I, I'm sure that there are lots of miracles that have happened, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. For me, so it's more so just wow. like. Have you not seen Gwen? Well, Alex, that one goes wow. say. You don't have to say that at all. <laughs> but no, I think that for me, it's just like sometimes I'll connect the pieces on things that have happened in my life and go, wow, if this didn't happen, then this would have never happened. You know? Uh, yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah, so like, you know, me going to University of Kentucky, it was not my first pick for school to go to, but mm. I ended up going there. And if I hadn't gone there, guess what? I wouldn't know either of you. I wouldn't mm-hmm. know Alex. I wouldn't have a precious little baby girl, a boy on the way. And I wouldn't be friends with you, James. So, mm. yes, nice. the universe works in mysterious ways. James, what about mm. you? Uh, I remember one time I was, oddly enough, I think it was. I think it was Six Flags. It's weird. I was at some kind of theme park, and I was—I have no idea what was going on because it was way too little to be in the wave pool. I, I don't even know how old I was, but I, I know I was extremely young. And uh, I just kept getting pushed under. Um, I mean, like, kept getting pushed under. And by sheer coincidence, I mean, I thought I was going to run out of air. Like, I was, I was just kept swimming back up to the surface. And I, I thought I was going to run out of air. And I just happened. Like, every time I would come up for air, I would get pushed back down by either the waves or the rather rotund individuals who frequent such parks. No offense, anybody who frequents such parks. Um, <laughs> but I just happened to get into a, a for whatever reason, somebody had abandoned an inner tube, just left it in the, the wave pool. And I, I swam right in the middle of one, despite not being able to see. Uh, so that was really, that was a plus. Otherwise I probably would have been on the front page news. James's wow. life was saved by an yeah. inner tube. Mm-hmm. James, that's scary. Yeah. Those wave pools freak me out. Yeah. I haven't been in one since. That's for sure. Have you guys seen that documentary? Is it called class action park or action class park? Uh, about that theme park, I think it's in New Jersey, where yeah. all of those awful things happen. I need to see that. Yeah, it is like mm. something like class action park. Well, yeah, just some some uh, some Netflix viewing for you, you guys, mm. and and for us too because we haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> are are you guys ready to talk about some miracles? Uh, sure. Yes. Let's okay. Do it. Let me pull up my. While you're notes. doing that. How about some hearty hellos? All right, I'll say hearty hellos. I will give you a shout out, Kentucky. It's been a while. Whoop, whoop. Hope you're enjoying your horses and stuff. <laughs> um, and then, or is, is Germany still listening to yes. us? Okay. Shout out to you, Germany. And your bratwurst. Mm-hmm. I think bratwurst is from Germany, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love bratwurst. So 
Me too. Thank you for that. James, do you want to give a shout out to anywhere in the world? Uh, sure. I'd like to give a shout out to Argentina. Argentina. They're listening too. So hello to everybody in Argentina. And I'm going to give a shout out to country that disappeared from the map for a little while, but came back. Mexico. Yep. All right, you guys. I've got my notes pulled up. And I got a lot of my information today from Atlas Obscura, businessmirror.com, and newmanministry.com. Oh. Best chiclets. So when I did my research, the way that I approached this, because I think of miracles in two different ways. So I've got like modern day miracles, which is kind of like, you know, oh, this kid fell through the ice and he was, <sighs> you know, brain dead for a little while, but now he's alive again. And they're Sometimes there's a little religious aspect to it. Like, you know, oh, everyone was pr- praying for the kid. But to me, it's not overtly religious. And then having grown up in the Catholic church, mm. I also view like miracles in the Catholic religious sense. Sure. So I'm approaching this topic from the Catholic sense, okay? Okay. And I'm gonna Is talk- anyone else Catholic on this podcast? I'm going to mm. talk-, talk about the incorruptibles. All right. Ah. Yes, the incorruptibles. They're saints or people of the Catholic faith, even though there have been other instances of this outside the Catholic faith. But anyways, these people upon death don't seem to decay like normal people, at least not immediately. So they supposedly look so well uh, preserved for a long time after their death, even when they're in situations where they should decompose very quickly. Like, oh, this saint was just thrown in the ground without a casket and buried for four years. And then we decided to exhume them for some reason. And Mm. holy cow, um, they look exactly like they did when we put them in the ground. Interesting. Yes. That that could lead to some pretty interesting Weekend at Bernie dynamics. Alex. (laughs) No. Well, there there are lots of examples of saints who fall into this bucket. Like there's St. Francis Xavier. There's St. Catherine of Bologna. There's St. Cecilia. She's apparently considered to be one of the first incorruptibles. Uh, St. Vincent de Paul, St. John Bosco, St. Bernadette, and the list goes on and on. Hmm. And yeah, in the past, I believe incorruptibility was basically considered a prerequisite for somebody to then be deemed a saint later on. But in recent years, the Catholic Church took that off the table. And I might be incorrect in this thinking, but I think that it might be considered a miracle because in order to become a saint, you have to have two confirmed instances of performing a miracle, right? Mm. Yes. Hmm. So, you know, if you're, you're buried, like there's a, I can't remember the name of the one saint. There was a, ba- uh, a saint who was buried in this crypt and then it flooded. It was flooded for a long time. And apparently mm. he didn't decompose at all. Interesting. This is crazy. So I'm going to talk about St. Bernadette because she is probably the quote unquote best preserved saint. And while I'm not denying her sainthood, I do say that in air quotes because you'll see. You'll see, you guys. So St. Bernadette was born in 1844 in France. And as a child, she actually said that beautiful lady, maybe it was the Virgin Mary, I don't know, but it was... Some spiritual, ethereal, beautiful, you know, angel came and saw her and spoke to her. I think it was like at least 19 times when she was a child and basically told her to pray for sinners and the sick and the poor and basically started Bernadette on this path of sainthood. Mm -hmm. So Bernadette, she also led her to a nearby spring 
that had healing waters. And from these waters, at least 11 people were said to have been cured of various maladies. So the church was basically like, Bernadette, you beautiful, sweet, kind, and caring human being. You're going to be a saint. So she did devote her life to, you know, devoted herself to service and and just was a, a wonderful human being. She did sadly die at a very early age. She was 35 years old when she passed away from tuberculosis in 1879, but she was one of the incorruptibles. Her body put in a crypt shortly after she died. Then they went to exhume her body in 1909. If I remember correctly, it was to like take a look at her and see, you know, is she a saint? Start start the saint research stuff. And she supposedly looked perfect. Then she was eventually reburied, then re-exhumed a second time. And when I when I think about being incorruptible, I imagine someone looking lifelike, like, you know, oh, it doesn't even look like they're passed away. It looks like they're sleeping. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I picture in my brain. I picture very dead, but <laughs> not, like, falling apart. Not falling apart. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and in some incorruptibles, technically, it's like you could technically be an incorruptible with just a part of your body being well-preserved. Oh, really? Like, oh, my, this this saint's arm is perfectly preserved. Dang, that pinky looks fine. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, or like your internal organs might still be soft years later after and your heart's you, still be Yeah, well, just, One of the other signs is that you smell like roses. That's one thing yeah. that I always thought was interesting. Yeah, you have a, f- a floral sweet fragrance, but not like, you know, decomposing sweet. Instead it's of like, smelling like poo-poo. Yeah, instead of smelling like a decomposing body, you smell like a fragrance, a beautiful fragrance. Oh, because they think that God has been like, this person is amazing. They're a saint. I'm going to make them incorruptible. But in Bernadette's case, okay, a doctor who checked on her remains after she was exhumed in 1919 said, quote, the body is practically mummified does not seem incorruptible to me practically mummified covered with patches of mildew and quite a notable layer of salts which appear to be calcium salts the skin has disappeared in some places but it is still present on most parts of the body which Ooh. is kind of amazing she was like buried for 40 years in a crypt for 40 years that's yeah that's impressive yeah, yeah impressive. but she still looked you know fairly good for having been dead for four decades so if you go see her now, like James, look up a picture of St. Bernadette Incorruptible mm. and you'll see what she looks like. Let me know what you think. Alex, you look it up too. Oh, okay. I want both of your opinions. Am I going to be disturbed? Sure. No. Be sure. Look at this dead buddy. <laughs> what's it, what's well, that's Saint one thing Bern- that St. Bernadette, St. Bernadette Incorruptible. Incorruptible. That was one thing that freaked me out as I'm doing this research. I'm like, I'm just looking at all these pictures of like technically dead bodies. I can't tell. Is this the real? Is that's, this, yeah, oh, that's her. That's pretty good. That's oh, her. wow. That does well, look good. Well, you guys, I hate to burst your bubble, but. Oh, I think I found yeah. it. Yes. There is a layer of wax, which has made her look perfect. So it's kind of an illusion. If you were to take that wax off, I bet you she would look a little. Be a skeleton. Decayed. Mm. Yeah. Um, and this is a case with a lot of the Incorruptibles, apparently. Some of them are straight up mummified now. Like, there's another one. I can't remember the name of her. She's somewhere in Italy. Um, but she basically looks like a mummy that's sitting in a chair that you can go and visit. So I, I feel like I just have my emotions played with a little bit. <laughs> you know, at the grocery store, uh, they cover apples with a little layer of wax. Uh, St. Bernadette, for that reason, is the patron saint of apple growers. James, you <laughs> take that back, you. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> 
Saint Bernadette is a sweet, wonderful saint. But anyways, <laughs> awful, absolute terrible, James. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of saints that are considered incorruptibles technically, like they're not perfect. They've they've been worked on a little bit. Apparently, there was like a really famous French artist that helped do the wax for Saint Bernadette. Mm. So it's it's kind of. You know, it's kind of misleading because when you see that, you think, wow, like, how has this person been dead for over a hundred years, almost a hundred years, over a hundred years? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. So it's kind of misleading. I did find some very divisive Quora threads where people were straight up mean about it because, like, Mm -hmm. basically, basically the people who wanted to know is incorruptibility real and then people were like, anybody who believes this is a freaking moron. And I'm just like, why do we have to be so mean to each other? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Mm. Like, just respect that I have my beliefs and you have your beliefs. Let's be civil. So anyways, <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically the incorruptibles. I think these people are still absolutely amazing. Do they stay not decayed? No, mm, no. I think decay comes for everybody, but it is kind of weird how some people don't decay, but there are so many different factors that can come into not, you know, decomposing quite as quickly. Mm-hmm. So I've just, and then I've just got a little bonus miracle. Are you guys ready for this one? Yeah. Yeah. And this story made me really happy and also a bit jealous because do you guys want to know what happened to St. Joseph of Cupertino? I do. Oh, uh. St. Joe, he could fly you guys. Yep. Yeah, flying is like one of my dreams. Like I would actually I'm not even kidding. He really is the patron saint of pilots. That is not a joke. And I yes. think it's hilarious. No, he is. He's the patron saint of pilots and air travelers. And he was born in Naples in 1603. He had a very hard life. People thought that he was really stupid and they were just like annoyed by him. Nobody wanted to be around him. Aww. And he was just trying to find his place in life. And then finally some Franciscans were like, okay, you can come into our, you know, into our little group. And he studied and he, he became a priest and he, he worked really hard. And after that, you guys, after he became his priest, became a priest reportedly on multiple occasions during masses, he would get so into just what was going on that he would apparently start levitating. Okay. Mm. That happens. Yeah, he'd start levitating. Or it's like there was a story about where it was, they're all singing Christmas carols and everybody's into it and he's into it. And then he just starts floating up into the air and he would carry giant crosses across the room, flying through the air. And I'm just like, man, that's insane. So that was one of his miracles was that he could fly. Some people Mm. look at that and go, there are ways. And technically, yeah, there are ways that you could create the illusion of levitation because fishing wire I don't jetpacks fishing wire back in 1603 yeah. or yep. whatever Jet- year it was <laughs> i don't know i think it's it's just it's so long ago that it's also hard to be like okay yeah this guy was actually flying it's like you know you never know what people are saying but i just love the idea of being able to fly it gives across the stage yeah it gives me hope maybe someday i can fly do you think it was more floating than flying like could he break the sound barrier how fast do you <laughs> not that fast but i think that he could he could make people go wow he's up in the air that's pretty cool so, you guys, that's my my miracle. What are you guys talking about? James, I'm going to go next because you know me. Yeah, go for <laughs> it. I like to bring the heat in the second act. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, I got, I got this little tiny miracle. 
Oh my god, James! <laughs> James, you should see Alex's notes. They are literally two short paragraphs. It is ten, ten it's lines. Not all of my information. Most of it is up in my noggin. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's go. Go in here. All right. So I'm doing the miracle. Yeah. Of Lily Grossbeck. She's this little tiny eighteen-year-old girl, cute as a bud. So Lily's mom one night, she's uh, Lynn Jennifer Grosbeck, also known as Jenny. I'm going to call her Jenny throughout this. Okay. Jenny, she was driving along, and she struck a cement barrier and went into the water. Mm. Uh, and when she went into the water, she flipped the car upside down, and it was partially submerged. Ugh. And it stayed that way for 14 hours. Partially submerged mm. into the water. Was this summer or winter? Winter. Very cold water. Ugh. Cold water. Now, the car wasn't noticed until a fisherman spotted the car. He's out there catching, catching some bass. Probably not bass in the river, but he's catching some bass. And he looks over, he sees the car, and immediately he does the right thing. Calls the cops. Good. So, four cops show up to, to the scene. And, you know, they're calling out to the car because they can't get over to it to see if anyone's alive. They're calling out. And they keep hearing when they get on the scene, like, help, help. Like, they hear these pleas for help. And even one of the officers even had a quick exchange with Jenny. Uh, And so they talk and they're slowly getting out, wading into the water, and they flip the car over. Mm -hmm. Well, when they flip Mm -hmm. the car over, there's something strange. The mom is Jenny is dead. But they were talking to her? Mm-hmm. And then they look in the back and the 18 18 month old Lily Grossbeck is still alive. Okay. I was- Even though she's been partially in the cold water um for 14 hours upside down and just really been through the ringer and mm. they get her out. And they look and they see, and she's only got a few bumps and bruises, no scratches. She's not even suffering from like any hypothermia or anything like that. She's like totally fine. The weird thing, though, is that Jennifer died immediately. Jenny died immediately in the, on the impact of the car. Mm. So she was dead. She'd been dead for fourteen hours. And well, eighteen month old is going to be talking. Right, the eighteen month is going to be. Asking for help help and talking with the police officers. Yeah. <laughs> and having exchanges <laughs> with police officers. So no one's quite sure what happened here. A lot of people think that it was uh, Jenny, like, helping from beyond the grave. Yeah. I did think that there some, like, there's, there's really no explanation for it, quite frankly. Because they all had an interaction. All four of them heard her shouting and pleading for help. And then she's dead. Mm. So that's what that's one really interesting aspect of this story. The other interesting aspect about this story is kind of more so in how narratives are crafted. And it's not I'm not poking holes in the story um, necessarily, but it's how <clears throat> information is shared about this story. I've, I looked at various sources. Yeah. And they all have different things. Mainstream newspapers don't mention any of the interesting aspects of it for the most part. Like MSN yeah. or BuzzFeed when this story first broke. I don't know why BuzzFeed was covering. They were covering this before any information came out about it. That's weird. Mm. Yeah. Like they, like they didn't know that the, the mom had died Im- Im- immediately on impact. 
The other thing is, depending on what sources you read, a lot of the more faith-based things, they didn't really update their article when the autopsy came out. And there's probably a reason why. Jenny, the mom, mm-hmm. there's a reason why she hit a concrete barrier. Uh-oh. She'd been taking heroin and had was on uh, prescription sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, prescription pain meds. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. So, there's, so it's kind of interesting how people are leaving that out. And then one source I was talking about, they kept highlighting about how the mom really did before she died, not necessarily in the, in the calling for help, but she really did save Lily's life by installing her car seat correctly. Mm-hmm. I say that's called parenting. <laughs> and every parent should do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they really like hyped that up and they tried to dissuade like the, uh, the drug part of it. So, mm. But that is just a very weird thing that, because my problem with the research for this topic was I was dipping my toes into everything, like the miracle of the sun, which is like wild. Um, And then other things. But the problem is, is there's so many different people trying to poke holes in everything, right? Yeah. But this is one where no one is poking holes. And the shouting back and forth and the the pleas for help that everyone heard. Well, if it was also four police officers versus just one, and then you've also got the fishermen, that makes it a little bit harder to poke a hole in. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I just thought that was so bizarre, but very interesting and cool. And the little girl is totally fine. She made a good Mm. recovery. She's okay. She's fine. Okay. But good. it's kind of amazing that she didn't suffer from anything in a cold yeah. car for 14, 14 hours. hours. Well, wow. At, at first I was confused because I think at the very beginning you said she was 18 years old. 18 months. Yeah, Sorry 18 months. if I said that. Yeah, no, you <sighs> you cleared it up later. There we go. But so yeah, she's 18 month old. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd been weird if an 18 month old wasn't talking to anybody. They're just kind of <laughs> hanging up that now. <laughs> if like, an 18 hmm. year old. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the miracle of Lily Grossbeck. She's totally fine. Well, wow. wow. Yeah, but it's just a little interesting how narratives can be crafted among various places. The media knows how to do it. Yeah. And everyone was doing it. Everyone's a little guilty of maybe changing the story. So this could be like. An example. Yeah. Just hmm. yeah, very cool. Well, James, it's your turn. Hmm. What are you telling us about? I've got three miracles. One, two kind of minor, but connected in an interesting way, and then uh, one bigger one. So let's start with the most minor of all these miracles, which is still pretty dang cool. So there is a lady named Tassie Monforte, and she lived in what I am going to go ahead and call a rough neighborhood. (laughs) Because she she was uh, trying to go to bed, doing a little bit, little pre-bed laundry, really. And uh, she felt a weird pressure on her hand. Didn't know what was up with that. Um, and she looked at her finger, and she had bought a ring back when she was in Hawaii, a little cheap ring, nothing important. And, and her ring had burst, and she didn't know what was going on. It, I mean, it just, boom, there, there went a ring. Well, incidentally, outside, um, a bunch of teenagers, this is where I was going with a rough neighborhood, they were shooting outside her house. Not at her, but shooting at random or maybe a drive-by. We're not really sure. She was like, 
those are two really weird unrelated things and went <laughs> to bed. <laughs> when she got up, she found in her laundry room a bullet. So her ring had exploded because she had been shot, but she was completely and utterly unharmed. Wow. I just think that's like an insane series of events. Now, similarly, there was a fella. There's three miracles to this little miracle. Um, There was a fella working a register at a bank. Now, the reason why this is a miracle, in part, is because that man's name, I kid you not, is Mr. Register. So that's miracle number one. Somebody (laughs) named Register is working a register. That's some Harry Potter stuff. All right. So now that on its own, not very miraculous. Part two of the miracle. It It gets more miraculous, though. Part two of the miracle, Mr. Register's minding the register when some bank robbers come in. And they pull their guns on it, and they do not tell me their name is Rob. Uh, That would be amazing, wouldn't it? But no, yeah. (laughs) Um, So anyway, they tell him, "Put your hands up." And even though he put his hands up, they still fired on him. They shot him, shot him right where his neck is. Except as his hand was going up, the bullet hit his wedding ring. His ring. Yep, split the bullet in two. Ended up wow. hurting his finger, obviously, and a little bit of the bullet did touch his neck, grazed it, but he totally survived, full recovery, everything's good. Jeez Louise. Part three of the miracle, he attributes his wife to, to his survival, and she insists that it was, in fact, a miracle because of God. So that's part three. That's the biggest miracle is, is his wife declined all the praise and attention that he gave <laughs> James, oh that, was funny. that was funny. That but was no, pretty that good. That really did happen. Everything I did say did happen. It did. So that's just <laughs> astonishing to me. Good Lord. Uh, just an amazing uh, instance of miracles. And then the third miracle, it's one that we all hear a singular word and have an association with, but we, we most people don't know the story. And it's, it's actually two miracles. It's where we get the word kamikaze. A lot of people, when they hear the word kamikaze, they think of, uh, kamikaze pilots and that yeah. makes very good sense but mm-hmm. the, the word itself comes from the, the term kami divine gods and kaze wind and the reason for this is two very similar miracles so back in 1274 Kublai Khan had already conquered China and part of Korea so he created the uh, Mongol dynasty known as the Yuan dynasty massive massive military power and they decided, you know what, Japan, little archipelago southeast uh, of here, we're just going to take it. So he loads up uh, roughly 600 boats. We're not totally sure about the solid number. And somewhere in the ballpark of 40,000 men. Most of them were actually uh, Chinese and Korean because, again, he's got an empire. So he's not sending Mongolians except for high-ranking officers. And so they head down to Hakata Bay in Kyushu to invade. And they totally would have won because, again, massive, massive empire, massive, massive military. Japan only has the home field advantage, and that's all. It would have completely and utterly changed the course of history, except a typhoon hits. And that typhoon lays out a third of the fleet. Third of the fleet. Now, when you were 
taking on a country with a full-scale invasion, losing a third of your forces before the battle, <laughs> it's enough reason to rethink things. So they went home. The, the remainder of the fleet was like, no, forget that. Now, not to be outdone, they, they thought, well, okay, a few years later, 1281, they think we're going to amass our forces and we're going to try again. It's going to work out. So that's what they did. And in this case, they actually set up a much bigger fleet. In this case, you got 4,500 vessels and 140,000 sailors. So it's huge, okay? Two different distinct fleets, in fact. And they, they merged right at Hakata Bay. Well, what ends up happening is there's another flipping typhoon. <laughs> another one. Different time of year, too. This was summer, and the previous one was autumn. Uh, it ends up destroying a about half the fleet. So wow. bigger fleet, bigger forces, bigger preparation. Took years to get ready for this. Half the fleet is gone. And because the, the actual uh, Japanese forces knew in advance about this particular assault, instead of even being caught with their pants down like the, they were with the previous incident, they were able to just make easy, easy prey of the, uh, the remaining soldiers who were still willing to deal with it. So what ended up happening was just over a period of days, everybody who survived that initial battle and that massive storm ended up getting hunted down. So only a teeny tiny percentage of that original fleet even made it back home, period. It's considered one of the most disastrous naval invasions in history, and it's where we get that term because it didn't just happen once, it happened twice. It's that so, divine wind. Yeah, really wow. neat stuff. That is so, cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got. This was, this was kind of a shorter one, but, you know, it was – it was still a miraculous episode, nonetheless. <laughs> yes. In my instance, was is I got my mic working. <laughs> I would say, yeah, it was. It's a, it's a pivotal, pivot. Oh my gosh, a pivotal one as well. Pivotal. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah because we had to. We had to pivot. It's a play on words that I fumbled. Wow, good job, babe. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess we don't even really have to draw from the vase for next week because allegedly. Next week, yeah, Caitlin. Caitlin, you, you better, better be ready. <laughs> you better be ready. So next week we'll be talking about political conspiracies. Um, mm. I'll just give a really quick preview of what I'm going to be talking about next week. I'm going to talk about the conspiracy that birds aren't real. Oh yeah, mm, that's a lot of people. It's a yeah, a lot of people like that. There, there's there's some funny stuff on that. Yeah, there is. Mm. So we'll talk about that. It was very different than what I was expecting it to be, but anyways. We'll chat about that uh, along with some other things. So you guys just stay tuned. Is there anything Sounds you guys good. want to say before we say, see you later? Um, Every one of you listeners is a miracle. Oh. James, it's That's true. So well, yep. thank you guys so much for tuning in. Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find his music on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. So until next week, you guys, we hope that you can... Keep it straight.